getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Last spring, you chose hardworking seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed performed on your acre. Because you can't fake performance. And bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest. This episode is brought to you by TickPick, where smart fans buy and sell tickets. Check out TickPick for the best ticket prices for your next game, concert, or event. And use promo code PODCAST to save 10 bucks off any order over $49. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com. Promo code PODCAST. Today, we are deep diving on the Broncos roster as they come out of their week five bye. Which players have exceeded expectations and which have fallen short? We'll break down which players must step their game up, and we'll hand out our Broncos MVP awards at the season's quarter poll. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast, presented by Mile High Huddle. It is time to drop some knowledge. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital, and with me is Will Keys, editor and writer at Mile High Huddle. Will, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode last week, and Carl Dumbler is phenomenal, so don't get me wrong, but without me on the mic, was it a kind of phantom limb podcasting experience for you last week? Oh, absolutely. It was... um... It was bizarre. It was, it was a trip into the occult. Uh, it was a very different experience. I feel like, you know, we've already got a few months of chemistry. We're not exactly Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison yet, Indeed. although give it maybe two weeks and I think we'll be there. Um, but chemistry is such a such a vital thing when it comes to, to radio or podcasting or TV or any of those things or any of those mediums. So it, you can't really can't underestimate it. I think uh, Carl did a great job. So yep. I'm happy it worked out. But you know what? I'm, I'm glad to be joined by you again. You guys held it down. It's good to be back. And we have a lot to get to today. But first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is all about the excitement of making accurate sports predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. It's totally recreational. There are all kinds of prizes. And in today's climate, the fantasy industries, let's face it, have made watching football a lot more interesting. So go to mybookie.net and compete for great prizes totally free. All right, now, huddle up. We're here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos. We need your help. Take a minute, go to iTunes if you're an Apple user or Stitcher if you're Android, and leave a creative review. Make sure you rate the show. 
absolutely pivotal for us growing this thing and uh, reaching new listeners. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod and, of course, at MileHighHuddle. Also, if you're on Facebook, which who isn't, make sure you're following us on Facebook at MileHighHuddle. From now until January, February, I don't know. We'll see how far this thing goes. We're going to be dropping knowledge several times a week, and you're not going to want to miss a single episode. All right, so we're tracking this one uh, on Monday night, six days before the Broncos are going to host the currently winless New York Giants at Mile High. Now, obviously, we're going to stand aside and let Nick and Carl deep dive on the Giants in the Scouts Eye preview later this week. Last week, Nick and Carl utilized the bye uh, with no game to preview to kind of grade and evaluate the Broncos roster. It was very uh, a very illuminating listen. Will and I are not going to in that case, retread uh, that ground. What we're going to do, since technically we're still in week five, the bye, is focus on some of the storyline aspects, juicy topics um, that are great for engaging conversation. At three and one, the Broncos are at the quarter mark of the season with 12 games left to go. It's unfortunate that Denver's bye came so early in the season, but it still offers us the opportunity to kind of take a step back and analyze this team before football begins again. Now, this Broncos roster, as it's currently uh, constructed, features 16 players who were not with the team last year. About half of them are rookie draft picks, and the rest are either free agent pickups or trade acquisitions. And what that means is that on a roster with 53 guys, 46 of whom are allowed to dress on game day, Roughly 30% weren't around last year, and the new blood has given the Broncos a different complexion and has mostly led to good things, I think, in their 3-in-1 start. So let's start with the free agents. The Broncos hanged their hat on four primary free agent targets early on. Offensive guard Ronald Leary, defensive tackle Damata Pecco, offensive tackle Menelik Watson, and then, of course, defensive lineman Zach Kerr. The Broncos also signed edge rusher and special special teamer Kasim Adabali on the tail end of free agency. And the big splash, though, was Leary, of course, whom Denver's paying roughly $9 million per year to reshape, help reshape, anyway, the offensive line. The Broncos ended up signing a few other guys, one of whom was before that. Defensive end Shelby Harris, of course, was signed to a futures deal. But after the draft, the Broncos signed Jamal Charles, the Kansas City Chiefs' all-time leading rusher, and we've certainly felt his impact thus far. Then the Broncos picked up Brock Osweiler right before the season started and offensive guard Alan Barber. Now, he wasn't a free agent. He was acquired via trade from Philadelphia right before training camp. But as a veteran, we can consider him one of the offseason pickups for the sake of this discussion. Now, we can go through the numbers, et cetera. We'll break this thing down. But, Will, in your mind, let's say two players. Which two players have been the best veteran offseason pickups for the Broncos thus far? Okay, so I know he's on your list, um, but I can't really – not include uh, Domita Pecco just because the Broncos struggled so much defensively against stopping the run last year, and it was really one of the big factors um, in their late season demise and their their kind of uh, I guess you would say collapse would be a better way to put it. But yep. since since he has been plugged into the middle, he's just he's he's been a brick wall. The Broncos use him, I think, more effectively than the Bengals were using him last year because really he was kind of a bargain bin signing and the the rest of the NFL had kind of written him off. And I think it just goes to show that your abilities might not be <laughs> utilized best with the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, <laughs> it's worth – it's very true. And maybe Andy Dalton will 
we'll realize that one day. But it's worth kicking the tires on veterans who are kind of misused or miscast. So um, given the change of scenery, Domita Pecco is playing like a pro bowler, and he's he's really been one of the main reasons that the Broncos have been able to stop the run. Yep. Now, on the other side of the football, when it comes to running the football, which the Broncos also had a tough time with last year, especially after the C.J. Anderson injury, have to go with Jamal Charles. And I know you can attribute a lot of it to the offensive line, but I think the the element of speed that Jamal Charles brings to the offense, even if he's lost the step since his Kansas City days, mm. he's still one of the more explosive explosive players um, at running back in the league, I think. Yeah. And really, if you look at the stats, he doesn't have a huge sample size. He's only carried the ball 33 times. Is you know, C- we all knew that CJ would be the bell cow back going into the season, that's, and that's been true, and he's been incredibly effective. Um, but he's carried the ball 33 times for 175 yards. That's 5.3 yards per carry, which is you know at the top of the league. Um, he's got that touchdown, caught a few passes, but I think a lot of it has to do with. Um, his contrast to C.J. Anderson, mm. you kind of have to play them differently. You've got a bullet. It's like – so I, I would kind of analogize it like this where you're trying to stop a rhinoceros that's coming right at, at you, which mm-hmm. is C.J. Anderson. And then the next play, you're, you're trying to grab onto a cheetah and, and kind of wrangle it down. And it's Boom. it's so hard to do, and it takes a different mindset, and it, and it loosens up the defense. And I think that's a really valuable thing for an offense to have. And so that's why I'm going with uh, Pecco and Charles. Two excellent choices. We, we are in agreement on Pecco. I mean, what more can be said? I mean, he's not lighting up the stat sheet, but in a 3-4 system, especially attacking system, the way it's set up, you're not going to see Damata Pecco. You say Domata, I say Damata. Uh, rack up a lot of stats and fill that box score. But if you study the film and break it down, he's doing a phenomenal job for the Broncos at the point of attack and has truly been, in his 12th year, a revelation for the team. My other guy uh, I'm going to throw in there is Ronald Leary, who you know, yeah. he, he hasn't uh, – the last couple games weren't his best, but overall he stopped what has been for the – you know, at least the last 17, 18 games, uh, a sieve for the Broncos at right guard. I mean, thinking back at least to Michael Schofield, and it was getting a little bit rough toward the end of the 2015 season uh, before the Broncos entered the playoffs there. So, I mean, Pecco uh, and Leary, two free agent signings of John Ellis this this past offseason, and both of whom I think have really helped to turn the ship around in the trenches for the Broncos, which was absolutely crucial for them to – you know, really resurrect this team and, and make the most of the talent that they still have on the roster. Now, let's look at the Broncos draft class from this past spring, figure out who's been the most impactful rookie. And to kind of set the stage, just run through it really quick. First rounder was Utah tackle Garrett Bowles. Second rounder, Florida State defensive end, edge rusher, whatever, Demarcus Walker. Third round, Louisiana Tech wideout Carlos Henderson is currently on IR. Third round compensatory was Lamar cornerback Brendan Langley. Two fifth rounders. Uh, both of which were acquired by trade, tight end Jake Butt, and then Isaiah McKenzie out of Georgia, the wideout, respectively. Sixth round was uh, Coastal Carolina running back, D'Angelo Henderson. And then lastly, Mr. Irrelevant himself at the end of the seventh round, Ole Miss quarterback Chad Kelly. Now, the Broncos signed after that, of course, about 20 college free agents, two of whom uh, ended up on the roster in Miami Hurricane safety, Jamal Carter, uh, Carter and uh, Pitt defensive tackle Tyreek Jarrett. Now, Jarrett, must be said, bounced up from the practice squad for one game 
and then was waived and re-signed to the practice squad. So, Will, we know which guys have been healthy enough to contribute. Uh, we've kind of seen how that's taken shape. Who do you got as the most impactful rookie thus far? So here's why I think Chad Kelly is the most impact. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Isaiah McKenzie, and uh, I'm not ignoring Garrett Bowles, but I'm just gonna let you take Garrett Bowles um, because ultimately I think he's as important as anybody on the Broncos roster really right now. Um, but I'll let you tackle that. But as far as McKenzie goes, it's such a difference maker to have a guy that can that can flip field position, and even more than that, like. It makes just like from a fan's perspective, it makes um, the punt play go from this uh, this like feeling of dread that something bad's going to happen into like a source of optimism where you think anything good could happen as well. Like yeah. you, you never know. And I know McKenzie's kind of I don't want to say he's in the Trinity Holiday mold, but he's going to turn the ball over at some point. But at the same time, he's probably going to have two or three great returns for every turnover. And I, th- I think you can be willing accept- to accept a turnover every once in a while. And this is kind of the trend in holiday conundrum going back to 2013 and, and back to 2014 even. Um, but how much are you willing to tolerate from a punt returner? And right now, McKenzie, even he had that, he had that long punt return called back. I just mm-hmm. like seeing a guy run down the sideline. And as much as I appreciated Jim Leonard's ball security <laughs> when returning punts, right? It's nice to have someone back there that you you know can score from anywhere on the field. So yeah. I think I think Isaiah McKenzie's really reinvigorated the special teams, and um, I want to see some more of them. I want to see him on offense. I want to see them design a few plays for him. Um, but it's it, it's really a big difference and. Uh, it showed so far, you know, he had that 29 yard punt return against the Raiders. He had a great return in the, in the opener against the, against the chargers. And we don't talk about it, but field position and special teams and, and those big chunk plays off of returns, they win games and Isaiah McKenzie's doing his best right now. Absolutely. Averaging 11.1 yards per return, which puts him in uh, one of the top percentile for uh, the NFL. Also quick side note about McKenzie. Pro Football Focus put him as uh, on the All-Pro team at the quarter mark of the season, along with Aqib Talib. So hats off there. But yeah, I mean, Garrett Bowles, I think if we're going to measure impact, has been number one guy rookie for the Broncos thus far. And really, he's been a godsend at the NFL level or any level for that matter of football. You want to be able to, when it comes to your left tackle, set it and forget it. You need a guy that you can just count on. Think of Joe Thomas, just game after game, year after year. The Browns can count on just this guy's getting it done, protecting the blind side and uh, you know moving guys out of the way in the running game. And while I'm not quite ready, of course, to compare Garrett Bowles to someone like Joe Thomas, he has in his own way been just as big of an a impact player for the Broncos at left tackle. And I just think it was a, a great sign, too, to see – the character of this dude, uh, and the and the stones, if you will, the sand that he has to see such a painful injury that he sustained in the second half against the Cowboys in Week Two to be carted off the field, big emotional process. You know, never been hurt uh, in his football career, which has been, albeit kind of off and on and, and brief, never been hurt. So he, the pain he felt was so extreme, he just thought that it was going to be catastrophic. And of course, <laughs> he and the team were both relieved. Uh, to find out, of course, that you know it's just a bone bruise, and although it's painful, he's going to be back. And he came back 
He came back a week later to start at Buffalo, and albeit it was a loss, you know, it gave us a kind of a window into the soul of this guy, and that is that he is here to battle and uh, play for his teammates and be there. And the Broncos, I think, have been very fortunate. It was a great pick in retrospect. And it's something, frankly, not to toot my own horn, but it was something, it was the one pick the Broncos made this past spring that I was absolutely confident in because as, uh, you know, Utah Utes, my alma mater, I was very familiar with this guy and I was very excited to see him suit up in the orange and blue. And so far, he hasn't let us down. Now, looking at the roster turnover from last year, We've seen a few players show some uh, some real improvement in 2017. A couple guys have really surprised me, and I wrote a piece about the five players who have surprised me the most thus far. One, of course, rookie Garrett Bowles. The other four, though, were veterans, three of whom were on the roster last year. Now, focusing on the most improved player thus far, if I had to boil it down to one guy, I'd have to say Todd Davis. Justin Simmons would be my honorable mention at number two, but Davis has really morphed into the player that I hoped he was going to be last year, uh, stepping in for Danny Trevathan. Now, at this point, though, heading into the bye, the Broncos' defense led the NFL in total yards, uh, relinquishing just 260.8 yards per game on average, and only 50.8 of them were coming on the ground, which was also leading the NFL. And there's no question, Damata Pecco has played a pivotal role in uh, the recently dubbed ground control rushing defense, but Todd Davis has been another tip of the spear, According to PFF, Davis has been a monster run stuffer with a run stop percentage of 15.1%. He's got eight run stops on 53 run defense snaps. And that percentage, that 15.1% run stop percentage, is second highest among all inside linebackers who have played at least 25% of their team's run defense snaps. So, you know, in coverage, though, the flip side is that, you know, Davis has been his typical so-so self. But he hasn't been terrible. According to PFF, he's been targeted six times, allowing three receptions for 22 yards and a touchdown. But really, you look at Todd Davis, we've n- I don't think anybody has ever expected him to become a three-down linebacker. He is what he is. He's an absolute beast on first and second down. He's a two-down thumper. And the Broncos don't need him to be a three-down backer, frankly. That's why Will Parks takes the field as that dime backer on third down and obvious passing situations. And the Broncos, will they're paying Brandon Marshall big money. And, you know, he is leading the team in tackles with 31, so that's good. But I don't think he's quite been the impact player against the run that Davis has this year. And that's that's who I've got as the most improved player through four weeks. Will, who's been the most improved Bronco in your mind? Uh, so I definitely agree with Todd Davis. Um, so I like that pick. I'm going to go with another guy on the defense, Adam Gotsis, who really was kind of, I don't know, ridiculed or – really counted out like uh, from the moment he got drafted and we know this whole like mythology behind his selection that you know Bill Kolar pounded the table for him and he was kind of on his own uh, like draft day almost like with mm. Kevin Costner saying like <laughs> right right don't draft Bo Callahan take at take Adam Gotsis this this random Australian guy from Georgia Tech who tore his ACL yep but a year into his career the pick has been completely justified and i don't even think what he's done this year uh, could have been expected in in the normal you know in the best case scenario where a guy's coming off of an injury and he, he has another year to hear to heal that acl and he's learning the pro game yeah. and he's improving his body and we heard so many 
off-season tropes that never come to fruition about, oh, this guy's in the best shape of his career and he's really going to make an impact. And more often than not, that's it's kind of the old no Sean Moreno trope that we got used to hearing every year and it really didn't take until like the last couple of years in a Bronco uniform. But it actually came true with Adam Gotsis. And I don't know what you know Australian ketosis diet that he did but it worked and he looks like a new guy and I think he shaved his head which I think was a a good look and probably gave him a little confidence because he was kind of getting a little wicked widow's peak last year which is a a weird look for for a rookie football player who's in his early 20s but whatever happened and maybe it was just a year of confidence and learning the playbook and I I don't even know just getting healthy just getting healthy and being in the NFL or, or maybe just another year of adapting to, to life in America because we don't, we don't <laughs> take into consideration like how big of a, a change that would be even though he played at Georgia Tech and just living professionally like in a, in a play that's, place that's you know 180 degrees across the globe. All yeah. of these things, they go into a really stellar second season for Adam Gotsis and he's next to Pecco. He, he's the other reason why the Broncos are dominating and they're the number one run defense right now. I cannot disagree. Two worthy choices, I think, for the most improved players for 2017. Now, we still have a lot of uh, bi-week analysis to get to, but first, we once again want to say thank you to our sponsor, MyBookie.net. Now, MyBookie is all about the fun and excitement of making accurate predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. Site members can make picks against real spreads, real lines, and totals for major sports leagues and associations, as well as college sports, and compete for great prizes courtesy of MyBookie. MyBookie.net is the greatest, most professional, totally free, and most importantly, 100% recreational sports prediction service you can find on the web. Instead of the typical head-to-head challenges and the handicapping contests, MyBookie.net goes beyond the basics and offers members a true betting platform that'll make users feel like they were in a real betting site. MyBookie is not a gambling or a play-for-money site. It's a free sports wagering website built for millions of sports fans to provide them with a platform to participate in picking games and predicting scores and competing for free prizes without risking any money. Just like the office pick'em contests and fantasy football, MyBookie brings a deeper enjoyment and excitement to watching our favorite teams by increasing the stakes. It is fun, and for no cost, you get to make predictions and qualify for prizes. Again, the service is absolutely free for all users, and we say thank you to MyBookie for sponsoring the Huddle Up podcast. All right, we've got our most improved players nailed down and in the books. But every year, there's always that handful of of guys who fail to live up to expectations. For example, last year, following his role in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, I think we were all expecting some big things from Benny Fowler, but he injured his elbow in the preseason and was never quite the same player. So the injury bug can play a role in such regressions. But this time around, I can think of a few players who've really disappointed me. But, Will, why don't you start us off with with this one? Your biggest disappointment thus far. So I'm going to have to go – with our right tackle, another free agent acquisition from the Oakland Raiders, Menelik Watson. I do think he has played better recently, but his start to the season was 
was really kind of terrifying and <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> That's a good word for it, terrifying. Yeah. Well, I was a little afraid for Trevor Simeon and, and his well-being. But we have to keep in mind at the same time, I don't want to be too negative towards Watson because I, I think he's turning it around and I think he's a much better solution than um, – say Donald Stevenson or Ty Sam Bryla, who's no longer on the roster. But he had had a tough time, obviously, with Melvin Ingram in the first game. And I think most people have this season. He's definitely been one of the most dominant pass rushers in the NFL. And so is Demarcus Lawrence, who he had a really tough time with in week two. So Mm -hmm. I think you have to kind of adjust for his level of competition. And I think something that we don't talk about very often or maybe we've I know we've brought it up but it doesn't really get talked about in you know other NFL media circles yeah but it's almost right tackle has almost become more important than left tackle mm-hmm. and I know that every starting quarterback in the league is right-handed and so they're, they're facing right tackle so it's a little bit easier to see but Teams are putting their best pass rushers on the defensive left, which would line them up uh, with directly with the right tackle. And we've seen that with Vaughn Miller in his career. Yep. He's always going up against right tackles who are traditionally, you know, the weakest part. Um, obvi- always, almost always weaker than left tackle, mm-hmm. just because there's there's such a scarcity of good tackles. It's it's almost like you know quarterback where it's hard to find a good one and you know justin you have justin houston on the right side and khalil mack and and melvin ingram and demarcus lawrence and all these guys and you're just getting every team's best pass rusher every week and so i i realize it's really really hard to play right tackle and it's weird because the left tackle is kind of given the easier job these days even though we, we place a bigger premium on left tackles because you wouldn't necessarily uh, pay top dollar on the offensive line for a guy to slide over to right tackle. Yeah. It's almost thought of as secondary, but really it's just as important. And that's why they've been shipping and they put putting a tight end over there to help him out and having CJ Anderson ship like he did with Khalil Mack last week, which yep. helped a little bit. I think if you can get out of a game with only two sacks uh, from Khalil Mack, uh, you can <laughs> yeah. almost consider that a win. Yeah, at least in Denver. Yeah, really. We know – uh, we know what the alternative is, yep. but overall, you know, they paid Watson pretty decent money to play right tackle, and he was kind of their their savior at the position, and it really hasn't worked out tremendously so far through four games. I mean, I'll, I'll give him uh, I'll give him a pass against against the two guys that I, I mentioned earlier, but. It doesn't get easier because you're playing Justin Houston coming up soon, and and next week they've got Jason Pierre-Paul and uh, Olivier Vernon off the corner, so yeah. it's going to be tough. But you know, it, it goes to show that you better have a good right tackle in this league. Absolutely, and I would just say, you know, in response to that, that at least Menelik Watson coming into the bye was at least trending in a little bit more consistent direction. So, yeah, ho- hopefully he can uh, continue that trajectory. Now, for me. It comes down to two guys, and I think ultimately I'm going to have to go with Max Garcia as my biggest disappointment thus far. And really, it just comes down to the fact that you know this is a guy, an original Broncos draft pick from 2015, fourth rounder, who going into his third season was really tapped as the incumbent to start opposite of Ronald Leary, the big free agent prize, and he was so inconsistent in off-season training programs. Um, that they had to go off team and make a trade to get Alan Barber just to feel semi-confident in the position. And that has resulted, obviously, in 
them doing, you know, timeshare basically at the left guard position. And I don't think it's necessarily helping the team to do that because on one hand, you've got Max Garcia, who is arguably a better run blocker than the veteran Alan Barber. But in pass blocking situations, he's he's a liability on the field. Uh, for example, when Garrett Bowles did go down, the solution that the Broncos had was to put Alan Barber at left tackle because Vance Joseph talked about after the fact they were more confident in his ability as a pass protector uh, than than even Donald Stevenson in that particular situation. So, you know, I digress. Max Garcia has been a disappointment to me. I think he's been a disappointment to everybody. And frankly, I just think the Broncos need to bite the bullet and just put him as the, the swing guard, let Alan Barber start and continue to build some chemistry uh, in between Matt Paradis and Garrett Bowles. Now, well, since we're on the topic of disappointment, it's time for a new segment. We'll call it Step Yo Game Up. Now, this is designated for the guys who might not necessarily be stinking up the joint. You know, we're not talking about guys who are terrible out there, but guys who clearly need to step it up. And I wrote a piece on this over the weekend, so I'll just kind of start us off. And a brief list of players, if you will, who need to step it up include, for me, Trevor Simeon. Now, it hasn't been all bad for Trevor Simeon, so I don't want you guys feeling like I'm of the opinion that he sucks or needs to be replaced. Far from it. But he does need to improve his pocket presence, quit running into sacks. Uh, He is, when studying the All-22 film, I've been actually quite surprised at some of the uh, open receivers he's missing in his reads. Not necessarily in his throws, but in his reads. Uh, He's got to tighten up the turnovers, which he did better uh, against the Raiders. You know, and the good news is he's been killer on third down. Uh, he's among the, the league leaders in uh, passer rating on third down. The Broncos are 3-1, and one, so there's a lot of good to take away from Trevor Simeon's performance thus far, but he does, I think, coming out of the bye, I think he needs to step it up. And then also Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Samber, uh, Sanders. These are, uh, you know, let's face it, the wideout position, it's QB dependent. And it's also one that can be dictated by how opposing teams are scheming. But I'm not seeing the kind of big plays from these two that, frankly, the team needs in order to take the offense to the next level. And I think the Broncos, they got to find a way to kind of strong-arm the situation, or at least especially Demarius Thomas, into the offense. Vance Joseph, he kind of disagrees with me on this. He's the head coach. What do I know? He spoke to this very issue on Monday. In fact, here's what he said just real quick. No, no, no. We don't want to force-feed the ball to those guys. You know, obviously going into our, our, our prep and our game plan week, you know, the pass game goes through. Thomas and Sanders. I mean, that's not a secret at all. But it depends how defenses play us, you know. So whatever they give us um, from a defensive perspective, you know, we're going to take advantage of. So if they're giving us shell coverage and taking those two guys away, we're going to pound the football and hopefully force those guys to close the middle and play more cover three and cover one so we can get a fair matchup outside. You know, if they play shell, we're going to run the football. That's 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 our formula to uh, score points right now. All right, so Coach Joseph, obviously solid points there, no doubt. But with the Broncos paying DT and Sanders as much as they are, they're taking up combined a significant chunk of the salary cap. They need both of these guys to rise up and make some things happen in the passing game for their young quarterback. Yes, Simeon needs to step up. But these guys do uh, need to as well. And again, it's not an emergency like these guys are sucking it up by any stretch. But the Broncos need them producing more. And then the last two guys for me who need to step it up real quick, Max Garcia, already talked about. And then Brandon McManus. McManus, the man who got the McPayday and now needs to provide the McField <laughs> goals. For you, Will, 
Who needs to step it up? In your mind, which guys got to step their game up? Virgil Green, step up your game. Uh, right now he's got six catches, 73 yards, one touchdown. I know we've, we've kind of given up on, on Virgil Green ever being a dominant receiver, but right now I think he's at risk of losing some snaps. Uh, just because A.J. Derby's really been coming on and had that great game against Oakland, um, highlighted, of course, by that one hit, spectacular one-handed touchdown grab for the, the first of his career. But, you know, you want to see a little more from Virgil Green, especially when like it goes back to um, defense's game planning around Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders because if they're going to focus on them, you have to have an option in the middle of the field with the tight ends. And I know Trevor Simeon sometimes struggles throwing into the middle of the field or, or I guess in between numbers, right. which a lot of young quarterbacks do, and he's getting better at it. But you want to see you know, a more impactful presence there from, from Virgil Green. And he's also running those seam routes and kind of just those rollover routes in red zone. So I want to see a little bit more of that. Maybe maybe a little bit of it has to, has to go through play calling and, and maybe it's up to Mike McCoy to get him a little more involved. Or maybe it's up to Trevor Simeon. But right now, A.J. Derby's been the best receiving tight end, I think, by far. And Virgil Green, you know, if he doesn't step it up, uh, I think he's going to be re- relegated to pretty much strictly blocking duty. Especially with uh, Jake Butt coming back to practice. Yeah. Coach Joseph said he's coming back next week to practice. So, yeah, definitely he's got to step his game up. Virgil Green, step your game up. All right, now, we understand it's way too early. Okay, we get it. But since it's the bye, we ask, why not? Well, who has been the Denver Broncos MVP in your mind through four games? Got to go with the co-MVPs. And they both play outside linebacker Vaughn Miller and Shaq Barrett. They're both in the top five um, in the in pass rushing, the pass rushing rating from Pro Football Focus, um, which I think is a, a good way to evaluate pass rushing. Just because sacks don't tell the whole story, you got to look at pressures too and knockdowns and stuff of that nature. And we know Vaughn Miller would be great this year, and, and he has been. Uh, he's got. Uh, four sacks through through four games, so he's right on schedule. But Shaq Barrett, you know, we, we were a little concerned when we know that we knew that um, Shane Ray would miss about the first six weeks of the season. But right now, Shaq Barrett's been better than Shane Ray really has been through his whole career. And I don't think Shane Ray is going to have a starting role when he gets back. Not that he can't come in on the field in third downs and, and pass rushing situations, but Shaq Barrett's earned his way onto the permanent starting roster, I think, and he's going to make a lot of money in his future. So those are my two MVPs. Hard to argue. I'm going to go with C.J. Anderson, the guy who really needed to prove that you know he's worth the money the Broncos are paying him, that $4.5 million. This is the last year in which they're really on the hook for that, uh, that money. After this season, there's no more guaranteed money. So without C.J. being, frankly, transcendent and being the – the engine of the offense as he has been through these first four games, you know, they, there's a good chance he could be gone. So I'm happy to see that he is stepping up, uh, knock on wood. Let's, let's, you know, make sacrifices to the, to the football gods or whatever that he stays healthy because he has been, I think the number one reason in which the Broncos are being able to control the clock, you know, keep defenses on their heels and pound out three wins in four games, which, Many football prognosticators, let's face it, before the season started, did not see happening. So I tip my hat to C.J. Anderson as uh, the quarter mark MVP for the Denver Broncos. All right. Now, 
We're running out of time, but before we get out of here, it's that time of the week where we take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because we are your football priests, and we're here to offer absolution. We're here to offer answers to your burning Broncos questions. And today's first comes from Dylan West, at Dill Z the West, friend of the show. Awesome dude. His question, in the wake of potentially getting some more butt on the roster, <laughs> wink, wink, who potentially gets bounced from the roster? Who? Will, your answer for Dylan real quick. I think you'd have to trade a tight end for a tight end. And it's hard to say Jeff Hireman just because he's in his third year and he's shown improvement. But I think ultimately it would have to be Hireman. And, and hopefully I'm wrong because I, I like him and I hope he gets a, a shot to, to prove himself again. He hasn't been terrible, but I can't see them carrying four tight ends. So I don't think it's necessarily a given that the that the Broncos are going to promote Jake Butt to the 53-man roster. I think there's a good chance that even still they could see what he has in, in practice and, and think that, well, he's not quite ready. So we're going to redshirt him for the year and just put him on IR and deal with it next season. But I think it would be too hard to carry four tight ends. And so I think they'd have to, they'd have to do something with Jeff Ironman. It makes sense. I, I reached out to Eric Trickle, who has a, a few sources on that topic uh, inside the, the the team. There, he has for, he gets a lot of very interesting information that has a knack for coming true. I would agree with you that if I were making the decision, that I would probably want to reduce the amount of tight ends I have on the roster. Uh, but according to Eric, look at the fifty three guy, the guy that the team perceives as the fifty third man on the roster, and that would be. Kyle Pecco. So if they do promote anyone off the off the practice squad or a guy like Jake Buck coming onto the roster, Pecco, Kyle, the young Pecco, as they say, baby Pecco, could be the guy on the outside looking in. Now, next question from at Mile High Maniac on Twitter. Just read Chad's piece on players improving. Question, what's it going to take for D, uh, to get DT going? And I'll start this one real quick. I understand, again, how game plans and how opposing scheme can dictate uh, a receiver's touches like Coach Joseph uh, expounded upon a few minutes ago in that clip. And quarterback play does as well. But we all got excited, if we think back, when Mike McCoy returned to Denver about the prospect of Demarius Thomas taking some bubble screens to the house, some some design plays to get him the ball in space. I can only think of one or two such plays thus far that were really designed to, to get DT the ball uh, on a screen, for example. They got to find ways to get him isolated in coverage, you know, send him in motion, whatever it must be, there are ways, but they can't come at the expense of the greater good. And right now, everything flows from the running game, and I get that. So it's a balance of DT finding a way to make more plays, uh, a balance of Trevor Simeon and the coaches finding a way to do so as well, and keeping the running game strong. Will, any insight here for Mile High Mania? It's kind of what I talked about with Carl last week, where I think Demarius Thomas is sort of similar to the way Adrian Peterson plays running back, where he needs a few carries to warm up and kind of hit full stride. So just get the ball in his hands anyway, really. just I don't think it's really too much of a detriment to the offense to just say, all right, first play, we're going to throw a slant to DT, or we're just going to you know, right. uh, toss him a quick bubble screen or, or give him a jet sweep or something, because he's still a fast guy. Give him a jet sweep every now and then. Um, so just get him going. Get him engaged in the game. Not that he's losing focus, but you know, he, he does better when he's, he knows he's involved in the game plan earlier. I don't know the psychological reason behind that or anything, but he, he's, he differs from Emmanuel Sanders, who's kind of instant offense in that way. So yeah. if you can just get the ball in his hands, I think good things will happen. Agreed. Last question from Hannah May 
at hand underscore may underscore six on Twitter question. Why do you think Trevor Simeon and Emmanuel Sanders seem to have a disconnect? Just a product of a lot more practice with the second team receivers? Will your answer for him? I don't know if they have a serious disconnect. Um, I think Emmanuel Sanders is just a little more vocal and he's a little more boisterous mm-hmm. um, when he uh, is expressing his discontent with being left wide open or anything like that. You know, Demarius Thomas or one of the tight ends or Benny Fowler are never going to really make a big deal out of it. But right. that's who wide receivers are. And, and uh, I would I'd have to say that Emmanuel Sanders is a lot closer in nature to Antonio Brown than he is <laughs> Andre Johnson or someone like that. So I think that's the reason we notice it. I don't think they have any type of disconnect or lack of chemistry on the playing field. I think he just, you know, it's more apparent with Emmanuel Sanders than it is with anybody else when things don't go his way. Yeah, he's going to act out. He's going to, you know, stomp up and down, gesticulate, all that stuff. But I think it's, you know, a lot of people have talked about, well, you know, Trevor Simeon had to split reps with with Lynch in the preseason, and who knows how much that affected potential chemistry. And there might be something to that in terms of getting on the same page with the new playbook, but we can't forget. I mean, he started 14 games with Emmanuel Sanders last year. So I think just, just give it a little bit more time. Let Trevor Simeon continue to assimilate Mike McCoy's offense and, you know, let these guys continue to build chemistry. And I think overall, with both of the receivers, they're going to find a way to weave it more consistently into their overall offensive attack. Now, before we get out of here, we want to also say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. You get over 180,000 different titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. It's a phenomenal way to support the show. If you appreciate what we're doing on a weekly basis, it's a great way to support us by patronizing our sponsors. And you've heard me talk about this many, many times. This is an app I use every day. I I listen to it today on my commutes in the car. So this isn't something, uh, you know, this is something I'm I'm very uh, passionate about. So you get a free book, you get a 30-day trial. If you don't like it, you cancel. So that's audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. We appreciate you. But that's all the time we have for today. You can find Will in the Twitterverse at WillKey6, myself at Chad and Jensen. Tweet us your questions. We're always going to try to address your concerns on the show as often as we can. Look for Nick and Carl's preview of the Giants game by Thursday morning-ish. Don't forget to subscribe, y'all. For Will, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. Mile high huddle. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates.